How we do it out there on a Sunday. It is the Leafs this week. Brent Cunning, Gord Stellick alongside me. Gordo, how we doing on a Sunday afternoon? Well, what, plus 16 weather, lots of wind though, but yeah, we're doing well. We're doing well. It's always a, a great day to be alive. Um, maybe not the best Sunday to look back at the week that was from a Toronto Maple Leaf point of view. Yeah, definitely not. Uh, not the week you wanted. Hey, started off with a bang, 5-3 win over the Capitals. You love, love that. And then it it kind of went downhill in a big, big way. The the 5-1 loss at home to the Sabres, the loss last night to the Canucks. Uh, you, you don't love it, but you don't uh, you don't hate it nearly as much as you did that Wednesday loss to the Sabres. Gordo, what's your uh, what's your takeaway from the week? And then I guess you can you can even go back a little further than just this week if you want. Well, I'm going to go a little bit back just to say that to keep things in context. And what we said last Sunday was uh, it was becoming a team, finding ways to win. And we mentioned the Minnesota Wild game that Austin Matthews took charge. They won it. The absurd game against Detroit at the end of the night, they won that game, you know, came back with some strong goals. And then in the Washington game, which kicked off this week, yeah, they came back and won. And I know the Capitals aren't playing great, but, you know, the Leafs did it. So it's funny about the the game against Buffalo. And, you know, Brent, uh, now I'll go way back. And it's about these. And Elliot Friedman, uh, I was on with him yesterday and or Friday, and he kind of said, uh, Gordy, he always calls me Gordy, which I like. And he said, from him anyway. And he just said, you, you know, you always had that line, if you're going to suck, suck on the road, not at home, right? From working with a team or just in general that, okay. And every team will have a bad game, let's face it. Uh, but I don't know what it is about, I don't know if hockey's different than basketball or what. So you got 41 home games. And I'll tell you, Brent, decades ago when I'm at University of Toronto, my psychology professor, uh, that he was a big Montreal Canadian fan. And mm. this is the year that the Canadians had that great record, 68 and 12, right? The best regular. And you wonder in overtime, like those 12 ties, what would they have yeah. become? But anyway, so they got this phenomenal record. And I believe they only lost twice at home that year. And one morning we had a class, I think on a Tuesday, because it was a Monday night game, and they'd lost 6-1 at home to St. Louis. And even though this was arguably the greatest team in NHL history, every 15 minutes he'd go, I can't believe Montreal lost 6-1 to St. Louis last night. You know, <laughs> just, just at home, you know, that kind of loss, even in the best, best, best of circumstances. So that's kind of what I feel about that game Wednesday. Like, you know, uh, you know, we can look at things objectively, and there's some concerns to be obviously addressed, but man... That's one of those that you'll you'll remember, like I you know you'll, like a year from now, like when they play the Sabers for the next couple of years, you'll say, God, remember that one first, especially first time there's full fans in the building. Uh, I mean, last night's was more way more entertaining game against Vancouver, but that's kind of like you know I'm putting a bit of a historical context on it. But I think I don't know about you, but you know, just uh, I I games come back to me. I you know, th- there's a blur about games year after year after year, but certain ones on home ice that were clunkers come back to me. Oh, they they absolutely do. I mean that that game against Buffalo, you you have it at home ice. You don't like it at all, and they they for sure do. You know, I think back to I'll I'll go uh, I'll go a little more recent vintage uh, than the uh, best Montreal Canadiens team of all time. I'll go to last year when the Leafs were running roughshod through that Canadian division, and you know there'd be the odd stinker, there'd be the odd letdown, and even though the team and I know it didn't work out, we all know it didn't work out in the playoffs, but even though the team was rolling. You you know, a loss to the, well, I guess it wouldn't be at home to the Canucks because that was the first one since Kevin Bieksa was playing. But, you know, there'd be a loss at home to a Montreal team or the Senators gave them so many tough games last year. And I, I had the exact same reaction. The team's doing great. They've won eight of 10 or whatever it would be. And you go, 
but the Sens came in here and won the Sens. Like I know, I know exactly how it feels. So uh, I, I'm right there with your uh, psychology professor from back in the day, and I, I'm feeling it in the year 2022. It's just, it, it's amazing that no matter how things are going, the second it starts to slide, you do feel like you're kind of right back in in the thick of it. You know, in, in terms of looking at the way this team's playing lately, it's it's one of two things, or it's both. It's it's team defense and it's goaltending. They're still scoring enough. They're still generating more than enough offense to win, but you can't always outscore your problems. Sometimes you can, but lately there's just been so much offense coming the other way they haven't been able to. And, you know, whether it's defense you want to start with or we can start with the goaltending, it feels like those are the two kind of bugaboo issues for the team right now. Yeah, well, I'll start with goaltending, but also I'll do a quick start because I always like to look at the standings and uh, the Bruins have made up all these games in hand they had for weeks. So, you know, week to week, uh, chasing Tampa Bay, four points behind. Chasing Florida for first, five points behind. Don't look now. Boston Bruins, two points behind the Maple Leafs. Two points. And the Leafs just have one game in hand. So all of a sudden, instead of looking up about where you're going to come first, second, or third, uh, now it's going to be a, a, a top four. Are you going to slide to fourth is the question in the standings. And obviously, more play like the last couple of games than unfortunately you will. And, I, you know, the goaltending, again, we're, we're, we're going to have to beat the same things, I, I guess. But, you know, you, you can't ignore it. You can't ignore it. It's, uh, it's ordinary to weak. Um, then I kind of worry about are we over-scrutinizing it because, you know, there's deflections and screens and other things. But, you know, you're, not, you're, you're just not going to win games that you give up five goals. It's that simple. And some nights you're not going to be able to blame the goaltender for any of them, but you're not getting the goaltending. And, no, you're, and, you're not. It, it kind of doesn't matter which guy is supposed to be giving it to you. You're not getting it from, from either guy. And I think that's got to be the most kind of frustrating thing, whether you're a fan looking at it, whether you're Kyle Dubas or Sheldon Keefe looking at it, is you're supposed to have two guys that when one of them went cold, the other guy could kind of pick the other one up and vice versa. And, hey, in, in a best-case scenario, Sheldon Keefe has a tough choice to make because they're both going so well. I don't think they ever thought that there would be weeks like this or a couple weeks stretch where both guys were fighting it. But, you know, between the injuries for Morazic and we we see what Campbell's numbers have been kind of going back to the start of December now when we're into March, it's just been such a prolonged slide. And, uh, you know, the, the point I keep going back to is the answer has to be one of those two guys. I really don't think there's a trade to be made. You know, all the other goaltenders that are out there, one, cost a ton of money, and two, they're going to cost you a ton of capital, and there's other things this team wants to do. So I think that's the most frustrating part is is just looking at it and saying, one of you two has to figure it out. Campbell, go on a run. That'd be great. Mrazek, go on a run. That, that'd be great. But I think that's the frustrating part is that it has to come from with one of those two. And then you, when you look at Campbell specifically – I, he's saying all the right things. You know, I'm reading what he says in his post game about how he's he's going to bounce back and he has to be better. But we know everything about this guy. We know how hard he is kind of on himself. And you just, you, you, I, I think it's a very fair worry to have that it could really spiral and, and get away from him to the point that he can't regain his form this season. I'm not saying that's for sure going to happen, but I think it's definitely a fair worry to have with Campbell. Yeah, number three, I don't think that goalie's there. Like, I don't even think, I don't think Marc-Andre Fleury would agree yeah. to come to Toronto. Um, and, and I'm not saying the Leafs have any interest and could they do it. I just, I mean, he's the only one out there that gives you a little bit of wow. And, you know, we've got used to year after year after year in the Freddie Anderson era, 
Can you get Freddie a backup? Can, can there's, Garrett Sparks isn't working. This guy's not. Jonas Lenroth's not working. They're not working. We need to get a backup. And the great thing was Jack Campbell became that backup. So now when the offseason came and went, the idea was, okay, Jack Campbell, can he, can, can he ride being a number one? He seemed to show it last year that he could. Certainly earlier this year he did. But we need a one-two punch. And it's not going to be Freddie, so let's get Peter Morazic, which is, you know, on paper – a solid one-two punch. In other years, it was just Freddie, and that was it. And uh, now, so look at the other edge of it. Can can't you know Peter Morazic? Can you pick up the slack? Can you, you know, find he can't you know find a comfort level, which he's almost like a, a, a it, not quite, uh, not quite well, not quite as serious or, or as flagrant as say the Nick Ritchie thing. But yeah. you know, Nick Ritchie was the new guy that couldn't find a niche, and the good news was three other guys did find a niche. But Peter Morazic, to a you know lesser, less severe extent so far, is not really finding a niche, and a big chunk of it was because of injury. But he's not really finding a comfortable niche yet to kind of take it and run, even for a bit, as a Leaf goaltender. No, that's that's a great analogy because un, unfortunately for Peter Morazic, unlike with with a forward or a defenseman, there is no such thing as being a fourth line goalie or a third pair goalie. You're playing. Or you're not. Like, there's no world where, oh, hey, uh, Leafs are on the power play. Let's get him out there for a couple minutes so he can get his feet wet. No, you have to be the guy, and you have to be good enough to do the job. Like, that's the frustrating part about it is that with Nick Ritchie, it didn't work, but the team tried so many different ways of, okay, let's put him here. Let's put him here. Let's try this. What if we play him with Spezza? What if we play him with Tavares? What about Matthews? What about Marner? You throw everything at the wall. Unfortunately for a goalie, and look, of course, goalie coach Steve Briere can work with him and there is a ton of work that can be done of course but in terms of putting them in the game they're starting or they're not like there's no way and yes you can try to do the cute thing of okay this is a bit of a softer team coming in but you did that with the Sabres in in theory and you got pasted 5-1 so that's that's the thing that I think makes it so much more difficult on on the goalies there um anything else on goalies for you want to switch to D or is there something yeah else well just you know uh, because we always bring it back to the playoffs which is where we want to because that's where they have to have some kind of success this year and why Freddie Anderson is no longer here is um, seeing how great Freddie was in the regular season, by and large, they never got in the playoffs. His best game was when they got shut out one nothing by Columbus, that first game. Yep. That was Freddie's best game. He was outstanding, and it was a one nothing loss. And those Boston series... You know, again, it wasn't like it actually it looked like Tuukka Rask was the weak or weaker one early one of those series. But again, Freddie wasn't a difference maker in those series. And I, like I'm I, again, I'm not saying he was terrible. But the Leafs just getting out goaltend it was part of losing those seven game series. So again, when I talk about the bar being low, that all the Leafs need to do is win one round to satisfy everybody. And actually, a lot of people more than satisfy them, which is kind of ridiculous. But that's all they need. Uh, and same with it, you know. All they need is better goaltending than they've got the last few years, and it hasn't been that great. Yeah, and even, you know, even go back to last night, and, you know, I, I don't want to put too fine a point on it, but you look at the very tail end of that game, and Matthews has a, a great crack close. Simmons has one. Tavares has one. Robertson, Nylander, Marner. The Leafs had a million chances late, 
and Demko, Demko wasn't outstanding throughout the whole night. Hey, he gave up four goals too. Like, let's not paper over that. But at the end of the game, when the other team, in this case the Leafs, has all of their talent out there and they're pushing, 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 they're just able to get those two, three, four big saves late. And the Leafs had moments like that where they were able to get those saves earlier in the season. They haven't been getting them lately. And guess what? If they want to win a round and hopefully win more than one, they're going to have a few times late in the game. It, how many times do we see this? Every single post season gourd where I don't know how many games in a series usually go down to a crush of bodies at the net and guys hacking away you know we think back to that that great playoff all those years ago with Sundin wrapping it around against the the hurricanes there and the building shaking there always seems to be those moments late at the end of playoff games so you're gonna have to find a way to kind of get the saves there but I guess this is as good a, tra- a point to transition as any you know who else has a job to do in those those moments is the defense and the defense core just hasn't been good enough lately. It's been completely shaken up in terms of the law, in terms of who's playing with who. But there were how many moments last night where, you know, be it TJ Brody, be it Morgan Riley, be it Travis Dermott, just couldn't tie guys' sticks up out front and they're able to get a, a stick on puck and then they're tipping it by the goalie. And then all of a sudden you're sitting there going, should Campbell have had that one? Well, it was tipped. Yeah, but he could stop it. So, you know, it's not just about the goaltending as important as they are. No, no question. But but the but the defense, it's it's understood uh, that they you know went out and uh, added Ilya Labushkin um, during a a rare media availability on Friday. Uh, Kyle Dubas, you know, when asked, <laughs> the white said, smoke yeah. came out of MLSE headquarters. Yeah, well, he, he had spoke, to do it because yeah. they're they're plugging the Heritage Classic. So really, you know, it was uh, <laughs> was to plug the the game in Hamilton. But yeah, just said what stating the obvious that you know looking for another type of move on D and, and, uh, and that's going to be it. And so you're hoping again, I, I, okay. Jake Muzzin, I hope he gets healthy for Jake Muzzin's sake, obviously first and foremost, the individual, but uh, I'm not liking um, already the excuse kind of being out there about, you know, if Jake Muzzin's hurt, because guess what? Every team has injuries and every team generally has injuries in the playoffs as well. So the point being is uh, it's, it is your, when the goaltending was going real good, defense was still your your weakest point on the team. Not not necessarily a weak point, but the weakest point on the team. And so let's see what you know. And this was a week where T.J. Brody had a had a normal game to say the least, uh, and he's been real real steady. Morgan Mott, Riley, Rasmus Sandin. I think I think Morgan Riley got unfairly. Uh, um, twinned with Rasmus Sandin, the Buffalo game. Rasmus Sandin just had a horrible game. He just had a little bit of everything as far as uh, those plays went. And, you know, there's been so many positives about him, and, and hopefully those negatives become fewer and, for, you know, further between. But the depth side and, and the D, it's it's what they're going to have to work on in um, adding, hopefully being healthy, hopefully a guy like Sandin and Lilligren improving. And then in the playoffs, uh, you know, you can really almost shut it down to four for a big chunk of the game if need be. Yeah, I mean, the Montreal Canadiens did that the entire time. You know, we, we spent the whole regular season when everyone was calling them juggernauts and talking about how important Romanov was, and then the playoffs came, and he wasn't seeing the ice, and he wasn't even always seeing the bench necessarily. So, yeah, you can definitely trim things down in your, your, your D-rotation when you need, if you need to in the playoffs. I think the other thing the team needs to kind of figure out between now and the deadline, and, you know, maybe maybe the answer is you let the market kind of dictate this, but if let's say you're going out to get one defenseman who do you want them to be paired with because I think I think you're still kind of trying to figure out how that top four mixes and matches you know 
Brody and Riley have been stapled together pretty much since the second Brody got here until the last couple of games. They've tried them apart. Are you potentially saying, okay, we can if we can split those guys up and we get Brody a partner, maybe the Riley-Sandine thing works as, as rough a night as that was on Wednesday? Like, I think that's the question they need to kind of figure out between now and the deadline is who ideally, well, you're, you're trading for defenseman X, who would you like him to play with? Are you looking for a right shot guy to play with Riley? Maybe you're looking for a right shot guy to play with Sandine, I, I I don't know, but I think that's the kind of question between now and the deadline. Well, I, I still look at it first about the individual you're acquiring, right? Because so um, I don't know if you say like, uh, uh, let's use Justin Braun. I use him. Yeah. I have no idea what interest there may be or not, but at $1.8 million, it's it's that kind of cap hit that you can take. Uh, Philadelphia would easily be a seller. Um, he would not be a big name that would cost you a lot trade-wise. So um, if that's the if that's the person you want, then you know I don't know if you revisit and go well. Who are we going to play him with? Uh, because uh, you should be bringing someone that you feel comfortable pretty well playing with, playing with any anybody. You know that it's worth to try that way. So that, then after that, to your point, even without a trade, that's going to be the challenge. The next part of the ch- schedule is figure out what is the best, what are the best matchups. Um, for the Leafs heading into the playoffs. How can you best configure the defense? And it's funny, you know, when I, I, I know I'm exaggerating now, but when I talk about you can go down to 4D, and you, you mentioned the Montreal example, I swear, I don't know, but one of the Chicago playoffs, like they played some series with basically the Blackhawks with 3D, and then they would put they would slide Kimo Tiemann in. Remember that? It, when yeah. there was a face-off in the offensive zone, <laughs> he'd play about 20 seconds and get the hell to the bench when, when the puck came back, you know? Like like they almost, you could almost, you could almost push it to that extent. I'm not, it's by no means ideal. By no means ideal, but it it is something that is is doable uh, in the playoffs. Oh, that Blackhawks team, they were just such a kind of special animal. It's like, yeah, Dustin Bufflin roaming around there. Kick him back on D for a few shifts if you need it. It's, uh, yeah, I mean, stuff happens in the playoffs. You will you will see guys out of position, and you will have to make it work with what you've got, and you're going to have to shorten up that bench, I think. And that's why it's so important to figure out who your four are, how they fit together. And, and you know, as we've, as we've talked about, not just what the best version of it is. Okay, let's just say it is uh, Riley and Justin Braun. They're going to be one pair and Brody and Sandine. That's another pair. Okay, that's great. But you got to make sure that they can also mix and match because pairs as good as a D pair can be, as good as a line can be, they go cold or they get kind of disjointed at times and you have to kind of find the other the other avenues that work for you too. Like you want to be able to kind of mix and match things. In a perfect world, you set your lineup in the way that you love your lineup set and everything wo- looks great and you never have to change. But we know that that's not how it works at all in the regular season. It's definitely not how it works uh, in the playoffs. So yeah, I'm, I'm with you. You got to figure out what you've got. You got to figure out who fits in there and then you ideally want them to be able to kind of mix and match. And then I think, again, just or Justin, Jake Muzzin needs to get healthy for Jake Muzzin's sake. But if he's able to come back, I think you you it's getting to the point where you kind of look at it as a luxury, a nice thing to have. I don't know how much you can you can bank on it because, you know, we've seen the concussion thing with, with a million players. And, you know, we would all love Jake Muzzin back in the lineup on Monday. Obviously, that's not going to happen. But it's just it's it's so hard to have any certainty as to whether or not he'll be available when you're kind of putting this roster together. Yeah, and, and then you, you know, putting the the business side because, uh, and that's not just uh, 
diminishing the human side about Jake Muzzin, but you know if he ends up being the Nikita Kucherov, mm-hmm. and which was legit, Kucherov legitimately hurt, and all of a sudden, poof, he's able to appear for the playoffs, um, and hope and hopefully being healthy, uh, you would assume he's healthy if he's doing that. Well, you know that's great for the Leafs because all of a sudden they they had his money now in long term injury to do something, and they get him back. And again, that's that's not what you want, but that is, that is a reality that could give them some flexibility in the next couple of weeks. You know, as you talk about. D, and you mentioned Montreal earlier, and I'm going to go back mm-hmm. not not to the not to that team I went back to way 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 back when. Okay, but but the one of those un, underrated things in hockey, who are the best D to have as partners? Right, you know the mm. quiet, unheralded that within the business, within the dressing room, and I'll give you an example: Andre Markov, the Montreal Canadiens. You think about nope. James Wozniewski, Mike Komisarek, and Sheldon Surrey. They all went places as unrestricted free agents and cashed in, and they all played in Montreal with Andre Markov, like, hmm. you know, right right after that. And none of them, none of them, in Commissaric, there were mitigating circumstances with his uh, shoulder injury condition, which we kind of kid Brian Burke, why did they get him in the first place? But anyway, uh, <laughs> the, that... that, that uh, that said about Andre Markov, who you never thought of for a Norris Trophy generally. And, uh, and that, you know, that's one of those, you know, inside, like in, maybe it's inside the dressing room. And it's saying, man, T.J. Brody, man, oh, man, man, oh, man, I'd kill to play with T.J. Brody. Put anyone with T.J. or whatever it yep. may be. But uh, that, that's, a, that's another intangible out there. It is. It's funny that you just mentioned that. And look, I understand priorities. And as an organization grows, this this gets moved down a little lower on the totem pole. It was really important for Morgan Riley early on in his development to have the Matt Hunwicks of the world, the Ron Hainsies of the world. And I don't feel like outside of a little stint with. Zach Bogosian last year, Rasmus Sandin has ever really had that guy. It feels like he's always part. Now, I know he got played with Riley on his offside for one game, so I'm not really counting that. But it feels like Sandin has always been part of a young pair or the guy kind of expected to drive the pair. And I think that kind of speaks to just how talented he is, that even without having that, I don't don't know if babysitter is the right term, but kind of that, I don't know, father figure on the blue line there, it feels like the fact that he's been able to grow without that really says a lot about him. Well, you bring up a name, and it's not crying over spilt milk, but that's the perfect guy at the perfect money that they miss, Zach Bogosian. That's yep. that. That's the kind of exact kind of player, and you know, and that's why when you are looking for, and um, you know, Labushkin's already here, but if there's another situation, you look at what Bogosian did when he went to Tampa Bay the first time. That that Buffalo team was beyond terrible. And you know, a lot of a lot of people might have said, you know what, you don't want anyone from that team. Uh, you know, they're they're terrible. Or you know, there's a, a veteran like Bogosian could be part of the problem. Like you know, what he's playing terrible. Everyone's playing terrible. But he went to Tampa Bay, and this is before he played in Toronto. He went to Tampa Bay and and won a Stanley Cup, right? I don't know if, yeah, he did yep. win a Stanley Cup. Yeah, so, that was the year. Yep. Yeah, and he but he played phenomenal, right? He played phenomenal, and 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 that's and, and I, I I you mentioned Ron Hainsey, and I'll. I'll bring up Jim Rutherford in Pittsburgh. Uh, yep. uh, in different years, got Ron Hainsey one year, Trevor Daly another year. Just, you know, like quieter pickups that gave the Pittsburgh Penguin uh, defense depth. And, you know, I always use uh, people say, well, you can't win without a Norris Trophy-type defenseman. And the Penguins are probably the closest, you know, with Chris Letang, you know, not having a Duncan Keith or, mm-hmm. or, or a Drew Doughty or, or that type. 
um, maybe even Washington would be that way, but but kind of like having a Morgan Riley or T.J. Brody type. But but it was those were a couple of great depth moves and moves moves, and and that's where you hope there's one more of those for Kyle Dubas and company to be able to execute. Yeah, it's funny, and you know these are all stories that came out after the fact, so who knows how much of them are true. But the story I remember coming out at the time about Zach Bogosian was so he was on that Sabers team; they were dreadful, and there was a belief he was going to go somewhere else. It, it was either the you know I know the Leafs were in the mix as well, and he ends up going to Tampa. But he was supposed to have his meeting with the Leafs because I believe he's a free agent because he got bought out by the Sabers, and he was supposed to have a meeting with the Leafs the day after the David Ayers game. And apparently, I don't know if he canceled it or the Leafs canceled it, but that was the kind of uh, kiss of death to him coming to the Leafs that season. Of course, he ends up coming uh, the year after. And and like you said, I I thought he was a really, really important player uh, for the team to have. And you'd love to have another guy like that. Who knows? Maybe, uh, maybe that's Labushkin's uh, new role. Uh, The Russian bear out here, uh, out here uh, grooming uh, defense partners. Uh, We should probably look at the forwards a little bit. Uh, Just looking at the, the lines from practice today, Andre Kasha was on the ice before the team skated, so that is good news that he's out there, although he did not take part in line rushes. Uh, No changes, nothing different from yesterday. Uh, So Nick Robertson back with Tavares and Nylander. I guess no surprise, seeing as how Tavares snaps his goalless drought and and Robertson gets his first. Uh, Why not keep that group together? And then the deep pairs, Riley Lilligren, Brody Hall, Dermot Labushkin, and then uh, Mac Holloway has been called up to skate with the team, so we'll see if he manages to uh, squeak in a game. But I I think the big news, looking at that, uh, one, Andre Kasha likely not not going to play tomorrow against Columbus. Uh, that's a drag. He's an important player for this team. That's not an excuse. It's just it's a it's a fact of the matter. He's been part of a really important third line. And then I like that they're keeping Robertson up there. Although I guess there's no way you break it up after two guys on the line score. <laughs> yeah, and again when we'll. And we'll talk more about tonight's game and look ahead as other things. But last night, yeah, it was not the Buffalo game. And there were a lot of positives. And it was a really entertaining game. And, yeah, the, that line that needed to get going got going. Uh, I'm, I'm, just, I'm just big on Nick Robertson because uh, with his entry-level contract, you, you know he's going to be around. Okay, you're, you're going to need him. And you're going to hopefully, you know, have entry-level contract players coming up every year that are capable of playing in the NHL. But um, I'm always like the little guy, the little guy with some offensive skill. So uh, the, I enjoy I enjoyed that last night. Great seeing him get the goal and all that he's come back from. And uh, uh, boy, boy, yeah, uh, yeah, Columbus tomorrow and then home against Seattle Tuesday. And I'm just thinking that's going to be a bumpy flight this afternoon. <laughs> the wind out there, that's just going to be. I don't know which guys on the team or who, uh, who are ones that don't like flying so much, but it's going to be probably a little bit of a bumpier flight. Hopefully, that's not the case on the ice when they get there. But yeah, that was a positive last night. And what you know, like, hey, Mitch Marner minus three last night. So that that doesn't that and a lot of that. When you get indifferent goaltending, your plus-minus, which people are quite proud of, takes a hit. Yeah. The other five players that are on the ice. But my point being, it's more a compliment. I mean, Mitch Marner. Mitch Marner's been playing phenomenal. Like, I just mean that. We know that. That line's been going phenomenal. Austin Matthews uh, had a couple last night in that. And so we, we did see we did see that one-two punch. And, uh, of course, Wayne Simmons, what a... Uh, what a neat thing they wore those T-shirts and and just a thousand games and uh, you you talk about a hard life on the ice because the way he played he made it hard for people he played against too but uh, that was that was special uh, uh, like John Tavares is the hometown kid that cho- chose to come home and and Wayne Simmons uh, the hometown kid that late in his career came home. 
Yeah, I wanted. I actually wanted to mention that. I thought that was a great touch by Keefe starting the game with uh, Bunt. Well, I mean, anytime Michael Bunting starts, I'm happy. But Bunting, uh, Simmons, and Spezza, uh, three Toronto guys. Of course, Bunting from Scarborough as, as well as Simmons there. And yes, I did. Uh, I did love the Wayne Train uh, thousand thousand game shirts. Uh, obviously, he would have wanted that one to go better. Man, had a great chance. He had a great chance in tight. Would have loved to him to see him score last night. Hey, let's be honest. I would have loved to see the Leafs win, but. Uh, they don't. Uh, so here we are on the Leafs this week. We don't have to do. We don't have to call it the Leafs this week. W E A K K, like you, like you were saying to start things off. Uh, well, that but was not just, the week. Yeah, 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 that was just one week. Okay, we just that was said, just yeah, one we, week. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. We're not. We're not. We're not there right now. It no, we're not. W-E-A-K, although, yes. Although um, we're going to look ahead soon, and this is maybe as perfect a segue as Eddie. The four games coming up this week. If they don't make some hay and get at least a couple of wins here, it will be called W E A K K. Oh, spell. Learn to spell. Learn to say letters. Brent Gunning, Gord Stellick will have a preview of next week coming up for the Leafs on the Leafs This Week. Keep listening on Sportsnet. Five down to the fan. Welcome back. The Leafs This Week. Brent Gunning, Gord Stellick alongside me. Want to look ahead to the week coming up. But before we do, Gord, there's something we didn't talk about from last night. Uh, he's been He's been flirting with this for a while. He flirted heavily with it last night. Austin Matthews going for the Michigan, going for the lacrosse goal. We know he's a showman. I, I was a little surprised he tried it because it, that one didn't look all that close to me. I feel like he's had better looks. But, uh, I, you know, we talked a lot about the game that was. But Matthews, two goals. Uh, he can have a game like that. And it almost slides under the radar a little bit. Uh, yeah, yeah. I'm glad you mentioned that. That's right. Well, that's why I said last night was was an entertaining game. And uh, I, I wonder, yeah, I wonder what is in um, your head uh, about how you decide, like what it what it is. Do you go to do you go into a game and you've do you scout the goaltender and think maybe you have a better chance? Or is that all irrelevant? He's a pretty good goaltender, but yeah, yeah that was neat. I don't know. Just Austin, when, when is he really not on fire? But last night he, he seemed he really had that flow and especially on fire. And I think he's going to do it before the end of the year for sure. It's uh, more and more now uh, with Zegras and company, you're, you're seeing it being attempted. So um, I, th- I think he's going to get one in before the end of the year. That was fun. Well, it does just feel the kind of guy he is. It's like, uh, you know, people are talking about this Zegris kid. Have you seen me? Have you seen me? Imagine the story I'd be if I, I did it. Like, there's no doubt about it that he likes to be the center of attention. And maybe this guy's the polar opposite of that. But the the best lacrosse player to ever play in the NHL, I think I can say that confidently, John Tavares, to my knowledge, has never tried it. We always hear the lacrosse stories, and I've talked to guys who play pro lacrosse, and the way they talk about him gushingly with his abilities in that game, it's just funny that it's called the lacrosse goal, it's called the Michigan goal, and the the NHL's most prominent lacrosse player in John Tavares, I don't think I've ever seen him try it. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Uh, it's... Uh... I don't, you know what, you know, it's funny because he's got that lower key personality, but you, yeah. wonder, you wonder maybe will he get baited into the challenge? And uh, I, you know, I, I have no idea about Zegras and then like if they are lacrosse players or not. Yeah. I mean, there's just so many great athletes, so much great hand-eye coordination. And uh, it just, yeah, it seems like Austin, Austin is the man right now from a Leaf side. 
Yeah, if that if that goalless drought would have got up to twenty, maybe that's what it would have taken for Tavares to go. Okay, I got to try something. Got to try something here. Uh, but yeah, not exactly uh, in in his personality. Uh, four games coming up for the Leafs. We knew they'd have a busy run with all the cancellations that happened in the games that got the dates switched around. Uh, so here it comes, uh, another four game week. First up tomorrow in Columbus, seven o'clock start. We'll have the game for you right here on Sportsnet five ninety. The fan, of course. Before that, the worldwide pregame show on the Maple Leafs Radio Network. That gets going at 630. Worldwide. Galaxy-wide. Universe-wide. If there's something beyond that, we're broadcasting there, too. Uh, Columbus, you you go back to the game. I think it was a couple of weeks ago. Overtime loss. Uh, The the Blue Jackets have some talent. You're going to have that Patrick Line, Austin Matthews show. Uh, Hopefully, Matthews gets gets the better side of things. Uh, What are you looking at heading into that Columbus game? Uh, Just, yeah, it's not like they need it. Please win. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean... It's not like they need a statement. Um, I'm, I'm just I like I'm I'm looking at all games, and you're right. This is this is a week, and you know next Sunday. Although Buffalo certainly was not a weak opponent uh, last week, but but the Heritage game in in Hamilton, you know. So you're again. I just talked about uh, good habits, consistent good habits, and also finding ways to win. You know the intangible that's not on the stat sheet. And I mentioned it before. Those last two games, they'd had three games where they'd had you know different ways. So uh, against the better teams. And the not so better teams that you're playing. I mean, I mean that's really what I'm looking for. And you're going to get, you're still going to get the odd clunker along the way. Every team has them, but I, I just, you know, for, and and keeping in mind, you know, you're 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 now the uh, the road up top is bigger than the road behind you. With the Boston Bruins now just two points behind you, and you're more than that behind both the Florida Panthers and the Tampa Bay Lightning. So, I mean, I'm I mean I'm not I really don't like coming first. I know you'd love to do it. Um, coming third, you really should come in the top three, given where you were all season long. But I, again, don't find at the end of the world to come fourth, like as long as you get in, get there. But maybe respond. Respond to the push for the Boston Bruins. And then when we have another Leafs this week with upcoming games against Boston, Tampa Bay, and Florida, I mean, those are the ones that I'm looking with a little bit of bite, right? Like kind of playoff previews against who you're likely to play in the first round. But the otherwise, there's just kind of a a consistency, good habits, and and finding ways to win in a 7-6 game or a 2-1 game. Yeah, that that is exactly what this this week is kind of about to me. This is the kind of get-right week. Uh, you, again, you don't want to take anybody lightly. The, Columbus just beat you a couple weeks ago. But you got Columbus, you got Seattle, you got the Coyotes, and, and then the Sabres on Sunday. After that, Dallas Stars, Hurricanes, Predators, Devils. Okay, maybe it doesn't get so tough after that. Uh, but by the end of the month, you'll finally have a game against Florida. You have to use this stretch to kind of get yourself right, rolling on all cylinders, because I think you need to... You need. I, I'm not saying you need to go out and go six and zero or whatever it is against the games you have left in your division, but you need to play well in those games because you need to have the belief in yourself that you can hang with a Lightning team and not hang, but you can beat a Lightning team. You can beat a Boston team. You know we've already seen them play Tampa a couple times this year. They've been good games for the most part. So you have to kind of take that. Uh, next game up for the Leafs Tuesday at home. Uh, we'll be there. Seven thirty puck drop. Uh, that's against the Kraken. Leafs really took care of business against this Seattle team in the trip out there again uh you know not say it's a guaranteed win night because there's no such thing as that in the nhl uh but if the leafs look anything like the team they looked like when they were in seattle a couple weeks ago uh, it should be a pretty similar score line to what ended up being six two 
Yeah, you know, funny stretch there. You're, you're, you're kind of wondering, does the uh, NHL schedule maker all of a sudden, oh, my God, we got to get some of these other conference teams in Toronto now for their one <laughs> visit? Because it's just, yeah. uh, you know, Vancouver last night, we got Seattle, uh, we got Arizona, we got Nashville and Dallas coming up, you know, just yeah. like, like their one and only <laughs> visit in a short period of time. And that's why we're not seeing right now Florida, Tampa Bay and company. Uh, Seattle Kraken. Big win for them, tough one for Nashville last week. I mean, that was one day Nashville had a 3-1 lead and Seattle wins it 4-3. And I'm saying that because Nashville is in a real fight right now about the playoffs. And actually now, there there are, as of today, there's five teams from the Central in the playoffs and just three teams from the Pacific. So both Nashville and Dallas would be in the playoffs if the playoffs ended today. And uh, Kraken been a big disappointment. Been a big disappointment. And goaltending has been ordinary. That's the thing they thought from Chris Drieger and especially Philip Grubauer. Expected better. Expected better everywhere. I'm, I'm curious to see what Ron Francis does. Trade deadline, you've got a unique opportunity to use your cap space to, you know, figure out are there one or two players that you really like and you can take advantage because they're, they're at a number that doesn't fit a mm-hmm. particular team's salary cap situation right now, and and you know they'll get a get more of an opportunity with you. And I know Elliot uses John Klingberg for example. He just yep. thinks John Klingberg is a Seattle you know crack and destined to be there in some way, shape, or form. But anyway, for the game on Tuesday, and I said it. Someone I got a I got a a text from a friend Wednesday said I knew the Leafs were in trouble when I just said the Sabers sucked, and they did. <laughs> the Sabers had like I mean I've been like like I've been disappointed in the way they, their lack of compete the previous six games compared to teams like Arizona and Ottawa and even Montreal of late. So, you know, good on the Sabres, proving me wrong, at least that night. And, you know, same with, uh, same with Seattle. It's just they're, they're like an old expansion team used to be. This is uh, this is that's expansion. a real expansion team. Yes, this is a real expansion team. <laughs> Vegas was was a big time aberration. So yeah, you you got no and you, and let's start let's start using the home crowd. I mean, last night was way better, way different. Let's let's use home sweet home. You know about being that home ice advantage, especially against those kind of teams. Yeah, that's the thing I keep going back to. You know, this this the the home crowds at Scotiabank, they've been dumped on and you know to a certain extent fairly so in the past, but you, in the games you and I have been down there this year, they're itching to get involved. I don't know if it's people just more excited to be out in the world now the restrictions have been lifted. I don't know if it's the fact that this team's been rolling the way it has, that people have bought more into it, but the crowd is dying to get into these games. Big save, big hit, early goal, something 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 and they will they'll get involved uh, and make a little noise uh, perfect time to slide this in here uh, Wayne Simmons not the only guy who played game uh, 1000 in his NHL career uh, Kraken captain Mark Giordano did obviously this would only be a, uh, a option if Jake Muzzin is on LTIR until the playoffs but I do wonder if that's a kind of pie in the sky guy the, the Leafs are looking at he's got just one year left on his deal if you have retained salary and you do the LTIR thing I, I would imagine the Leafs could fit him in you know who knows uh, how many other Suiters are out there, but you know you can easily see a world where uh, Giordano and, and TJ Brody would look great together uh, playing in blue and white. But then, oh no, you got to find a partner for Morgan Riley again. So that's kind of the guy I'm I'm keeping an eye on heading into that crap. Yeah, you know, and that that's a real interesting name. And again, the retained salary part, Seattle can do it easy. And because his contract's up, that's good because you get into a problem about retained salary that you can only do it in three situations. So yeah. you know, like the Leafs finally, Phil Kessel's coming off the books. Um, <laughs> Can't believe that Vancouver still. <laughs> has money uh, tied up in Roberto Luongo, you know, carries on forever. And, yep. uh, and so you don't want to get tied up that you got two players that you got seven years worth. So it's going to be, these ones are easy for Seattle to retain, uh, retain the earnings. And then when the season ends, uh, you're back to it's off your books. 
So after that, uh, Thursday, Leafs will be home against the Coyotes. That's a 7 o'clock start. I, uh, I have one thought heading into this game. Please, no Vimelka. I don't need that again. I went through that once already this year, or I guess the thought maybe should be he can't do it to the Leafs twice. Uh, that, that's my, uh, that is my lone thought on the, the game heading into uh, the Coyotes on Thursday. Uh, well, I hear that because it was, it was so strange that you know you're going to get outstanding uh, goaltending performances, but who the heck is this Vimelka guy? <laughs> and, and, uh, and, and what a Well, what hold, a job hold on. Let me, let me jump in there, Gord. You say your buddy texts you when, when you said the Sabres sucked, that he knew the Leafs were in trouble. When I look at a goaltender and go, who is this guy? That's when I know the Leafs are in trouble. Well, and, and uh, I, I, so I, I actually, you know, I, I know you're saying it tongue-in-cheek, and I actually want them to play against the best goaltenders because I think that's the best way to prepare for the playoffs. Arizona beat Ottawa 8-5. Like, wow. Saw that. Like, 8. <laughs> like, wow. Wow. So, Good for you, you know, they're, they're, they've competing way harder. And as we mentioned, we don't know if Giordano is going to be a Leaf or, or somewhere else. Uh, uh, we don't know what certain teams are going to do. We do know Arizona is going to do whatever. Uh, whatever, whatever, Bill Armstrong's phone, phone me, text me, whatever. I'm open to anything. Uh, uh, and, uh, and so I'm sure Vimelka will stay, but Phil Kessel will go somewhere and, you know, more moves to be made. But they are competing a lot harder of late, which wasn't the case earlier in the season. And hey, if you have an arena that's uh, five thousand and one seats, uh, it's bigger than the rink. Uh, they'll they'll be playing the next year. I uh, I cannot get over that. Every single time I am reminded of that team, I I can't I get dumbfounded by that. Uh, the week wraps up. I have to get on my soapbox. I understand the reason why. I know they got the Sunday game. I do not like it when the Leafs have Saturday night off. I don't like it. I understand it and I'll accept it for this instance. But I just have to go on record saying I want the Leafs playing every Saturday night. Uh, Sunday they're on the road in Hamilton Heritage. Classic. That's a 4 p.m. start. Uh, you can listen right here on, on Sportsnet 590 The Fan. I guess the good news is, is there's no way the Leafs can take the Sabres lightly this time. Right, Gord? <laughs> uh, I, I would I would hope not. Boy, if it was today, imagine you'd want to take the win, too. Whatever, whatever. Uh, be well, like they better bring game. their rollerblades or water skis today, because what is it, like 15 degrees outside? Well, uh, yeah, yeah. It would, have, it would be, uh, it would not be the, it's a great day to walk around, but wouldn't be the ideal game. Yeah, uh, yeah, we're not, do, do not take the Buffalo Sabres, <laughs> the Buffalo Sabres lightly for sure. It's funny, I actually um, mark the very few Saturdays we're off, so uh, it's kind of a, a ta- you know, so so I know what you mean. I'm used to the Saturday, but I, the odd the odd chance to do something socially, uh, I, I'm all in. But I'll be ready for Sunday. <laughs> yes, uh, as we as we all will. That's the problem. I, I have no life. Uh, young young father now. So uh, social. Well, I, I don't I know. There. I, don't I understand. Know I understand is. where you're at. I see. <laughs> I see these people on a beautiful day. And when I say it's the dads, because generally it's the dads on Sundays, because the moms do most of the work. But you see the dads pushing aimlessly the carriages around out way too early. Um, yeah, I, I remember those days and I cherish those days, but I'm glad I'm glad they're over as well. Yes, uh, I am. And uh, just uh, as we it. as we yeah, I'm in it. Uh, that's right. They're not over. Wait a minute. My kid's sleeping. It feels like it's over. And in an hour, it won't be. Uh, as I mentioned, a uh, couple things I want to touch on the NHL. Giordano Simmons both play in their thousand games last night. Uh, tip of the cap to them both guys tremendous careers uh both guys on a journey to get there you know Simmons bouncing around to a ton of teams Giordano ended up in the KHL before before he really got established here uh kudos to both those guys uh, a couple other things I want to touch on as well Rick Nash had his jersey retired in Columbus you know Gord I'm sure there are players like this for you they're just guys you have a soft spot for they never played for a team that really mattered all that much to you I can't say I care about the Blue Jackets one way or another always loved watching this guy for Team Canada he's part of the 2010 
gold medal team, scored some amazing international goals, and, and he was one of those uh, pipe dream guys that I always thought, hey, maybe one day he'll, uh, he'll come home in free agency. Uh, so happy for Rick Nash. What a career he had. And, uh, yeah, I just I wanted to get that mention in here. Yeah, I'm glad you did. I had a chance to chat with him um, earlier this week on, on, on Radio Airwaves. And it's funny, growing up, he got to go to a friend of his. his um, he was allowed to go to one Leaf game a year through some friend who had connections. And he said, yep. so Matt Sundin was his guy and, and uh, Doug Gilmore was his guy and all, all that. So, oh. you know, he grew up a local guy. And second year in the NHL, the guy wins the Rocket Richard Trophy. <laughs> Pretty second good. year with not a very good Columbus team, and uh, uh, it was um, it, w- it was nice chatting with him. And, and it's it's nice that memory of 2010 because he, he played the, the two way hockey and he played that role because they had no playoff success with Columbus. He had some playoff success with the New York Rangers, but uh, uh, he's he's Mr. Blue Jack. And I was kind of kidding him. I said, growing up as a kid. The first three picks in that draft were Columbus, Atlanta, and Florida. So he wasn't 10 years old going, I'm going to be a blue jacket. You yeah. know? He was, so, and it's a terrible draft. It's a terrible draft. He's great. Like he, I mean, he turned out phenomenal. But you look at that draft, it was a real, real weak draft that year. But I, I, I like it. And he's part of the Columbus Blue Jacket front office. So, you know, good to see him carrying on. And, you know, we talk about Jake Muzzin, and that was it. You know, like uh, he, w- he was tempted. He was tempted, Rick Nash said, for one more contract. There were offers. But then he just thought it through about his concussion issues and said, no, I got um, I to gotta think about this. I got to think this through about one more hit and the quality of life and quality of being a father and all those things. Yeah, good, good on him, and and yeah, happy, happy that you know he takes the uh, the long term approach there because hey, one, one more season would certainly be sweet, but uh, but twenty more years of of quality of life is definitely worth it. And uh, in, in terms of his run with the Rangers, man, I'm just looking at it now. I remember it as a couple of seasons. He was there forever. He played played yeah. there from 2012 all the way to 2018. I don't know why in my brain this was just a couple seasons, like a season and a half cup of coffee. But man, he was there forever. And then it's funny, I just pull up his hockey deep pages we're talking about him you think of all the the you know he played on those columbus teams that there's not much to write home about though those rangers teams that went on the run canada in 2010 but he also during the lockout he played for a davos team in switzerland with uh with joe thornton and man what uh what an experience that must have been so uh i'm happy we could uh we, we get some rick nash love in well and the other one that came up the question and is when he played for davos he played against team canada in the spangler cup that's right that so loaded weird, davos team yeah <laughs> yeah, they were they were the representatives, so you're just kind of weird, uh, always answering for international hockey, but playing against Team Canada. And, you know, that one year with the New York Rangers, he sort of became the epitome about, he had that injured ankle and he basically never came back. Remember, he was week yep. to week for like months. Yeah. And and that's what you always use as when you're hoping someone's going to come back to the lineup and you think the person's close and then they just kind of gets further and further away because sometimes things just don't come around. And, and that was Rick Nash one of those years. Yeah, it, it was. Uh, I'm I'm happy we got to uh, talk about him because he's one of those players who, you know, he retired. He had a wonderful career, but they just kind of in Columbus, he'll always matter. And, you know, if his name came up talking about the 2010 team, you'd think about him. But these are there are these great, great players who, you know, outside of the the very few, the, the Gretzky's, the Lemieux's, the Oars, they just kind of flutter away. And once in a while, they come back into your memory. So I, I'm happy we could talk about him here. Uh, a couple other things to, to sneak in. Great game last night between the Flames and the Avalanche. Uh, I feel like I've done this for about four weeks straight saying Colorado versus X 
How's that sound for a uh, Stanley Cup final? I guess I can't do it with the Flames and Avalanche. Uh, both those teams are hot. Calgary's won eight of their last ten. Uh, I could easily see that being a playoff matchup. And quite frankly, I'd love to see that be a playoff matchup, be a fun series. Yeah, boy, and uh, that, you know, the Battle of Alberta, which it wasn't last night because I'm looking at Montreal. Now, Montreal's, we know it's a far different Montreal team the last two or so weeks, but another, like, Edmonton Oilers, like, they're just one of those teams that, man, like, I don't know I don't know what it is, what they're lacking, but it, it now is, they lose to Montreal on the same night as you talk about, you know, Calgary bouncing back in that great game against Colorado, and Edmonton with arguably the two best players in the game can't get it done against Montreal, and uh, they are technically... Tech, I know they're technically they're technically out of the playoffs right now. I believe the Edmonton Oilers. I'll double check that, but just because I ch- checked at the standings today, I mean it doesn't really matter because you got you got so much space you can make up on. Yeah, they are. They're technically out of the playoffs right now. Dallas is one point ahead of them. So, ouch. Well, man, we uh, we didn't even mention it. We mentioned it on the post game when we did it, but Peter Morazic was getting the jeers on, on Wednesday night. Uh, I, I think that got taken to a next level in Edmonton when you've got Mike Smith giving the jeers back to his own fans. He's holding up his glove after they're giving him the Bronx cheer. Man, it uh, it can get ugly, ugly there. We know with goaltending, it's always a flashpoint. Uh, so, yeah, uh, not just in Toronto here. We know the Oilers have been looking for a save for, well, pretty much as long as uh, Connor McDavid's been an Oiler. So we'll see if that uh, figures itself out. You will hear plenty of Gord and I this week. Four Leafs games in total. We will not have a Leafs this week. Next week, that's because we'll be busy getting you set for the Heritage Classic that is in Hamilton when the Leafs visit the, or yeah, technically visit the Sabres. Also, they got games against Columbus, the Blue Jackets on top of a date with the crack. And on Tuesday night, we'll have the next game that's in Columbus tomorrow here on Sportsnet 590. The Fan, Gordo, always fun talking to you and everybody out there. Thanks for listening to the Leafs this week.